TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome into Loon Talk. Jonathan Harrison here for another edition of Loon Talk. Uh, if you like what you're hearing from Loon Talk so far, then give us a rating, give us a comment, share us as well. Also, go give the first soccer podcast we had here at Score North a listen, rating, and comment. You can also find it just by searching The Crafty Rogues on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. I am Jonathan Harrison, your host of Loon Talk. I am joined today by a good friend of mine, Callum Williams. Callum, how are you doing? We're Just so people know, we are not in the same room. We are in very much different parts of the city right now. Yeah, which I'm extremely devastated about, actually, mate. I was looking forward to coming back into the Hubbard Studios and uh, hanging out for a little bit. But um, these are rather bizarre times that we live in. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's safe uh, to say that it's it's probably best that we, we keep an appropriate distance from each other. So, um, yeah, it's um, I, I, I just don't I don't know. I don't remember anything like this ever happening, not not no. just in a footballing sense, but just across the world. It's um it is a pandemic, isn't it? And um, look, I'm, I'm not going to say much about it because, I mean, it's obvious what's happening. I certainly can't offer any any advice to people that they're receiving advice from the appropriate people, I'm sure. Um, you know, I, I just hope that everybody stays safe and, and healthy and, and clean. And um, Wash your hands. hopefully we can all get through this. Yeah, you know, hopefully we can all... Uh, or get through this uh, unscathed and um, get back to get back to soccer and sports as quickly as possible. Yeah. So sounds like you're holding up well then without Minnesota United, unfortunately, without MLS. Uh, so MLS announced today an extension to the season suspension by another 30 days brings us to about the middle of May, which at this point, because of how this thing seems to be tracking throughout the rest of the world that's already had it for a little bit longer than the U.S. has, that almost feels optimistic, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and if you look at the games, and this is purely going off the Minnesota United schedule, mm-hmm. if you look at the games, Minnesota would miss around about eight games. Okay. And if you look at the, the schedule, a lot of the um, early part of the season was very Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday heavy. Mm-hmm. Not the case for the latter stage of the season. So I actually think this is, of course, if we resume play uh, in, in the mid-May area, as you suggest, I actually think that, that we can actually get through this um, quite well. There would be a lot of, again, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesdays. Um, it would be a very, very busy six or seven months for people like you and I. <laughs> yes, But, um, you know, it, it can be done. It really can. And, and then I saw a suggestion um, I can't remember which publication it was, but I saw a suggestion the other day that if this was to happen, that the league would potentially push everything back until um, late to mid-December Ooh. and go to you know the model which we were all familiar with a couple of years ago until it changed recently last mm-hmm. year. So, um, again, there's, there's a slew of different things that they could do, um, all of which... Um, I think everybody just will 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 back and support as long as we get the season uh, done and, and we do it in the best way possible. Right. So that leads me to another point that I had written down here. How would you, if you 
I'm going to put you in Don Garber's shoes here, and you have all the power to do whatever you want to bring the league back when it's oh, when it's safe. You don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> when it's safe, obviously. How would you bring the league back? Say it's I don't know, middle of or the be, the end of June. Say that's when it that's when we all feel safe enough to start playing soccer again, playing sports again. How would you bring it back if it's at that late of a date? <sighs> um. I think not too dissimilar to what I've just described, to be honest, mate. Um, there would be a lot of Saturday-Wednesday yeah. games. Um, that's the only way you can really squeeze a lot of it. You'd almost have to cancel some of the other exterior tournaments. You, I don't know if you'd yeah, be you, able to you, cancel the Open you, you, Cup. You're right. Yeah. You'd be able to do the League's Cup. It, yeah, you'd, you'd, you'd have to, you would have to hope those confederations and tournament organizers would understand that mm-hmm. that things like the Open Cup maybe and the League's Cup would have to take a backward step. I'm not I'm not suggesting that you would sit them out or, or cancel them, but um, Major League Soccer in this instant, when you're talking about um, re-evaluating the season uh, and how to play it out, that, that, that has to come first. So um, I don't really have the answer, to be honest, Jonathan. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's all good and well saying just to extend the season. Mm-hmm. But we all know, especially up here in the Twin Cities, gets if you're cold. playing regular season games, yeah, in in December, January, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy here. And the same can be advantage. said for the likes. Yeah, look, the same can be said for the likes of Toronto and New York City mm-hmm. and, and and several other places as well. And that whether the league, if the opportunity was provided to them to play, um, you know, in in uh, in neutral venues or or play in in southern venues, I I don't know. Again, I saw that was suggested in, in an article the other day that should they should the league go through to mid to late December, if a northern based team gets into MLS Cup, you, you'd have to figure something out, and and maybe even if straight away just just stop the questions and you just say right, okay, well I will tell you what, we'll just do MLS Cup this year at a a neutral site mm-hmm. um, and, and, and have what's fair for everybody. So I don't know. I, I certainly, um, I certainly wouldn't want to be making these kind of decisions. The, these are made for people that, uh, you know, are, are much more smarter than I am. So, um, you know, I look, I just, as I said, I just hope, I just hope that, that the season uh, can, um, can be completed within 2020. Yeah. Um, as I said, with going off the Minnesota United schedule, missing around about eight games as it is, I think there's there's ways around that. It just will be very busy in a small period of time. So a question that came up on uh, Purple Daily earlier today, if you don't know, that's our that's Score North's daily Viking show from 2 to 4. I'm the producer of it. Matthew Collar is the host. One of the things that a question came up that I thought was super relevant to our conversation right now is – how? What's the minimum amount of games the league could play in the regular season, and you'd still feel the season's legitimate? Because NFL, they only have sixteen of them. If you cut even four of them, you get down to twelve. You're already starting to talk about a really short season, and that almost feels like an illegitimate season. So, if you cut, if you have to cut games, what? At what point is it too many games to think that that or to feel that that season's legitimate? <sighs> You, I, th- I think you, you're you're walking on eggshells there, mate. Because yeah. you, what happens then is you know players are contracted for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. as well, and um, fans have have paid money for for tickets. So you know, do you do you refund them, and, and that becomes a bit of an issue. And um, you know, you have um, 
uh, freelance broadcasters and technicians that are all booked up for these games and, and people working in the stadium. You know, I mean, it, um, I, I think if, if the league has has set up to be a 34-game regular season, I think you've got to do the 34. Um, again, like I said, I mean, if it is the way that we think it is now and it'll resume in, in mid-May, um, it'll just be a very, very busy five or six months for a lot of people. Um but yeah, I, I, that, that is a very interesting thought, but I personally can't see it working in any sport. There's, there's too much around it for, for it to work. Yeah. Any shortened season feels really bad. I mean, obviously we'll have to do what we have to do to get in, to get in whatever games we could, if we can get in, get in them, depending on how this, the whole coronavirus situation plays out. Um, another bit of news that came out, this week, the league announced that the training moratorium was extended to Friday this week. Former guest on here, Jeff Reuter, on his Monday article over on The Athletics said one MLS source estimated that it may be another two to three weeks before teams begin training again. How do how have the coaches over at Minnesota United been handling not being able to train with their players? Do you know? Um, not very well. Um... <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But but they are of the same mindset of, of everybody else as well. And the fact that safety and health come first here. And, um, you know, the, the thing is, and, and, and I mean, as I say, look, I, I don't mean to, to be disrespectful saying this, but, but this is tremendously disruptive yeah. um, to, to a team, to an individual, to a coaching staff, to just about everybody. Because, you know, we, we were two games in. We were just getting going. Um, the the players were probably just about to approach their peak in terms of their fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, those that were were readily playing and and, and available, um, and the coaching staff were getting um, used to to the new players. The new players were getting used to living in the Twin Cities. Um, it, it, it's just it, it is um, a, a tremendous misfortune. It really is that this whole thing, but. Um, as I say, I, I know that the coaching staff right now um, spoke to one or two of them over the last few days that they're looking at a lot of tape. They're looking um, at, at different ways to, to keep the players fit at home. I, to my knowledge, the Minnesota United players have been given fitness um, regimes or, or at the very least tasks, if you will, to try and keep themselves in shape. Because this is going to be an issue now, Jonathan. Yeah. If we do come back in mid-May, it's almost like we've had another off season. Mm-hmm. And the question is, will, will the players be fit enough and sharp enough? You'd have to say after another two month layoff, that the answer would be no. So then what does the league do? Does, does, do you give them friendly you know, games it, to essentially warm up again? Correct. Is, is it, is it the situ- Is it a case of, right, we're, we're all good to train and everything. And we can travel now, but we're still, we're still not going to play until, until May 15th. So do the team do another preseason? You know, I mean, it, it's, these are all questions which, quite frankly, none of us have the answer to at the moment. But um, it, it, it's it's a concern. It's an issue. Uh, I'm intrigued to see whoever the powers that be are. I'm intrigued to see how they handle this because I tell you what, I have absolutely no idea what they could do and what they can do in this situation. Again, you are listening to Loon Talk. If you like what you hear, then give us a rating, give us a comment. Also, share us with a couple of your friends. Also, go give the Crafty Rogues a listen, a rating, a comment as well. They are the first soccer podcast that we ever had here on Score North. I'm the producer, John Cosgrove. 
Stephen Quinn over on the Crafty Rogues Good Soccer Podcast over there. Callum Williams has been a guest on that one as well a few times. Uh, also, something we are doing here at Score North, much like Sports Center is doing. I don't know if you've seen what Sports Center is doing with Scott Van Pelt. They are doing Senior Night because there's been a lot of seniors in high school and college who have had their senior years called off because of the coronavirus. So. We would like to hear from and honor all seniors throughout Minnesota. Send us a video to at score north using the hashtag Minnesota Senior Night on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. Tell us your name, what sport you play, what school you play for, and what you'll miss the most. Follow at score north on social media as we share your stories. I thought that was a cool thing that we were doing, so I figured I'd share it here on Loon Talk. Um, Callum, one of the questions that we've also kind of been throwing around here at Score North is how will What's one reason that the that this pause in sports will help all the teams in Minnesota? How will the pause help the Twins or the delay to their season? How will it help their season? How will this pause help Minnesota? And also, what's one reason why it could hurt their season as well? Well, well as we just said, Johnny, I think it, it could hurt the season because of, of the um, the ill timing of, of the situation and, and because of um, the hampering it, it could cause with, with their fitness, you know, that could yeah. certainly be an issue and, and um, it could really, it could really stretch what are thin rosters mm-hmm. in major league soccer already. It could really stretch if you're doing the Saturday, Wednesday games, as we keep alluding to in terms of, of how it'll, how it'll help. Um, the one, one complaint, not complaint, that the one thing I, I kept on hearing um after the San Jose game a couple of weeks ago, was that Doesn't the feel players like a themselves weeks, feels like a long time ago? Oh, yes, it does. Yes, the players themselves, the coaching staff, the backroom staff, the sporting side of the club were all missing home a lot mm-hmm. because they'd been on. I think it was two weeks in Florida, then ten days or so in Portland. Then they opened the season in Portland, so they had to go back. Yeah. And then again, they go to San Jose for, for another away game. So the, the, the way that this can, can help Minnesota United is that the abundance of, of people that were away from home can now be at home for, for a little while. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, that really, um, that, 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 it's very underrated. It, it, it's worth its weight in gold, mm-hmm. um, home time with your family. Um, and with, with what the players do, with what we do, at times you are on the road a lot and you don't see your family a lot. And, um, you know, um, I, I can see that being a benefit for, for a lot of people at Minnesota United to have some, some quality time now, um, with their families. And, uh, you know, who knows when we get back to training. Um, but right now, as it, as it stands, it's, uh, as you said, it's, um, it's not going to be available for, for a couple of days at the very least. Um, so I, I would hope, that the uh, the Minnesota United staff are all at home and enjoying time with their family. So, so that would be the the main positive that I can think of uh, from this whole thing. The one thing that comes right off the top of my mind for the reason it'll help them is because had the game been played, the home opener been played this last weekend, I don't know because of the Kevin Molino situation that he he suffered the injury in San Jose. I don't know that they would have played him because it was so early in the season. Why take the risk? I think that'll yeah, help them have- is that that Kevin Molino will come once we come back. Kevin Molino will obviously be injury-free at that point, and he'll be able to hit the ground running once again like he did with the, when he started the season. The thing that I think comes into question for when it, if it, how it would hurt them is 
we saw how good they were, how, how much they were clicking, it seemed, on the attack. That attack scored eight goals in the first two games. It was more than, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I think it was more than a lot of people expected based off how they finished the season. I think the delay or the suspension of the season could hurt that cohesion that they had, that those players had now, because they are obviously not seeing each other every day in practice. They can't practice that timing that Ethan Finley and Luis Amaria had. I think that's a yep. that's definitely a question going into whenever we return again. Yeah, you're, you're not found an argument from from me there, Johnny. I had heard you say something similar on a, on a previous podcast, and, and and I completely agree. It's uh, you know you're right. Look, Molina wouldn't have played against yeah. um, against the Red Bulls for the opener, for the home opener. He um, Too early had a little season. issue, and um, you know they, they didn't want to take the risk. It was early in the season, as you say, and and, and to my knowledge, you know I think. Um, uh, it, it would have been an interesting opportunity for someone like Raheem Edwards to come into the eleven, um, and uh, Raheem Edwards, who's had a splendid preseason, by the way. Um, so, I, you know, yeah, I, I can understand what you're saying there, absolutely. And then, um, you know, look, I, I think now that the only thing is um, from from a imagine you're a new player, right? And I would assume a lot of the new players, to my knowledge, most of the the new players, if not all of them now, are out of the hotel and, mm-hmm. and have found places. Because imagine if you're if you're a, a new player, imagine if you're from a foreign country as well, mm-hmm. and you're in a new, uh, a new country um, where you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. you're unsure with how things work, um, things like social security and everything, you know, that's <laughs> completely different to how a lot of countries do it around <laughs> the world. So, yeah. um, you know, it's um, imagine trying to tackle all of those things when you're in a hotel and you're not you're isolated. settled, you know, yeah. that, that can mess with you psychologically as well. So, um, you know, those four walls would feel tighter and tighter as each day goes by, yeah. you know? So, well, you've, um, I don't know if you, have you heard what's going on with Christian Erickson? I, I heard this in, can't remember which podcast, but apparently when he transferred to Inter Milan from Tottenham, he had obviously not found a place to live because I mean, it was such a short time he had to get back into, he had to get into playing for top for Inter Milan. And, mm. So he was living in a hotel. Well, when Italy went on lockdown, that hotel shut down. So now he's living at the Inter Milan Training Center, according to a podcast that I heard. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not ideal, is it? No. You know, uh, the, the only the only thing you can say there is, is I'm assuming they have one or two members of staff there on a daily basis to look after him. I'd imagine yeah. there would be a, a chef. It's or a good there place would be to stay fit. A, yeah, you, you would assume there'd be a player <laughs> liaison or, or someone there to, to make sure he's okay, I guess. Um, but this is what I'm saying, you know, like people forget at times that, that footballers are actually human beings. Yeah. And there is more to life than footballers, as we're all sort of understanding now. And, um, you know, I just can't imagine, um, you know, being in that situation. And going back to what I was saying about, you know, some of the new players at Minnesota United, to my knowledge, the majority of them have places, if not all of them have found places to live in the Twin Cities um, since they arrived. And, and it's great. But again, it would be quite strange. It would yeah. be quite bizarre, especially if you're here on your own as well. Um, being told you, you're not allowed human contact as well, or, or, or a variation of it anyway. Um, it would be quite strange. And um, that that will certainly hamper some of them, no doubt about it. But um, look, in terms of, of how it can benefit the team, I, I agree with what you say. It'll give a chance for a lot of... Um, a lot of individuals who had a couple of little niggles here and there, that's what mm-hmm. happens in pre-season, um, to get rested up and, and recover. Um, and hopefully training resumes here in the not-too-distant future and that sharpness can can return if it indeed yeah. goes away. 
or indeed be um, be kept around. So we'll, uh, we'll we'll wait and see. But it's it, it's just such a, a bizarre situation that that the world finds itself in at the moment. So we'll we'll wait and see. Is there a team that comes to your mind in the league? Outside of Minnesota, so just looking at everybody else in MLS, is there a team that benefits? Which team is the team that benefits the most from this this suspension of play? I think it's probably a bit too early to make this kind of point, Jonathan, but you, you would assume the teams that have started poorly mm-hmm. because they can reassess now, can't yeah. they? You know, sometimes, and this could go for just about all the Major League Soccer teams as well, They've now got an opportunity to reassess if they think they've got something wrong. You know, for example, let's, let's use San Jose Earthquake, shall we? You know, um, obviously they tied to, um, to Toronto on the opening day, courtesy of a, a last-minute goal, and then obviously got thumped by Minnesota um, a week after. I, um, I, I know Almeida, the coach of the Earthquakes, has has a certain way of doing things. He likes playing a certain system. Um, the, the whole man marking thing was was um, clear and obvious for all to see over the course of, of the last eighteen months or so. Um, but perhaps now, after the shellacking that he took from Minnesota, perhaps now this presents an opportunity for him to reassess things and think. Right, well, maybe I do lack a, a deep line playmaking midfielder. Maybe I do lack a number ten. Maybe I don't have a centre forward that I can rely on as much as I thought, you know, and, and they can potentially have a look, you know, I mean, because phone calls will still happen, yep. you know, obviously physical um, deals can't be done because people can't travel and, and, yep. and whatnot at the moment, but phone calls will still happen. The window's still open. Yeah. <laughs> the window doesn't shut until May. So phone calls will still be happening around the world, no doubt about it. And, and not only Major League Soccer, but I, I guarantee you a, a lot of leagues around the world will, will take advantage of this and, and, and have a chance to to have a look at a potentially one or two new additions that they might need and and you know help an area that they they perhaps didn't replace as well as they thought they did. I was thinking a team also in California that could benefit the most out of this is the LA Galaxy. You saw the way they played. For some reason keeping the same style as they had with Zlatan just cross the ball a lot and cross it more and more and more to a guy Chicharito who's that's not his game. And for some reason that's what they wanted to go through with the first two games and it didn't work out hence why they mm. lost to Vancouver, which they probably shouldn't have because Vancouver's probably not that great of a team. I think LA Galaxy, if Scalotto can figure out how to better play with Chicharito on his side, I think they could benefit the most out of this as well. Correct. Uh, and like you said, again, once training resumes, these are things you would assume that yeah. the majority of teams would work on if it's not gone well the opening couple of weeks. Um, let, let's not... Um, let's not discredit Vancouver um, because I thought they were tremendous against the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. You're right. It's a game that the Galaxy should be winning. But I think Vancouver, um, I'm not suggesting they're going to go and win the whole thing, <laughs> but I, I think right. Vancouver are um, certainly uh, one of the teams that, that I would I would say will be one of the most improved teams this offseason because of some of the deals that they've got done uh, and the way that they're, um, whether they're, they had played in, in the opening couple of games. I know they lost to Kansas City on the opening day, but um, that was their own doing in terms of high press and, and gaps exposed and whatnot, you know, and one or two um, issues from a, a personnel point of view as well. But um, no, look, I mean, it's it's um, it, it's going to be interesting to, to see what the teams do. And, and the, the whole Chicharito Hernandez thing is is crazy to me. And, and I saw somebody, I can't remember uh, who the, the journalist was, I saw someone say something um, a couple of weeks ago about Hernandez and how they were outraged that I think it was... And forgive me if I misquote this, I'm thinking off the top of my head, but I think it was somebody said 
in the in the 90 minutes or, or however many minutes he played, 70 minutes or whatever, he got something like 14 touches or maybe it was in the opening 45 or something. I can't remember. Right. And the majority of them were, um, you know, on the edge of the box or, or, or away from, from the goal. Um, and it, no doubt that's an issue. <laughs> it's an issue because <laughs> Hernandez is clearly judging by where the hot spots were and, and where the touches were. He was dropping deep to receive the ball because he... He was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting any service. But also what I will say about that as well is that if I am Scalotto and Hernandez finishes with 14 touches and he finishes also with a goal, I don't care how many touches he gets because his main job is to put the ball in the right. back of the net. And, and, and he doesn't... That, that, that is purely um, an indication of his frustration and by him dropping deeper and, mm. and, and playing off of people and, and trying to get the ball into the box. That's... That's him. Um, I don't necessarily think that means he played poorly. I think what it means is that he didn't get the service and he was dropping to get, get touches on the ball. But um, I, I, for the life of me, don't care if Chicharito Hernandez gets 14 touches inside um, the opposition half. I don't care. I care if he gets one touch and that's to go in the back of the net. I, you know, because especially if, if the Galaxy are going to continue to play this way as well. Mm -hmm. Um I, I just don't think it matters that much. I thought that was overblown massively. Did you think that would be something we'd be talking about in the early parts of the season, that Galaxy would have a an issue with providing Chicharito anything with the no. the amount of talent that they got in the offseason and that they just added to? I didn't think we'd be talking about that. No, I didn't. I didn't because if you look at the way the Galaxy are, with, with they play the, um, the, the three central midfielders, um, but the first couple of games, it was Sasha Kleshton, um and Giovanni Dos Santos. So Kleshton was was given more freedom, but Dos Santos was very much uh, an eight, and I think it was Perry Kitchen who was who was sitting deeper. Mm -hmm. um, that that sort of service. I know Joe Corona was in that mix as well in, in terms of playing an eight as well. But if you think of that, and then the service that he had from out wide when the two wide players tuck in, as sort of uh, inverted inside forwards, Alexander Katai, who was great in a not very good Chicago Fire team. And Christian Pavon, um, who for me is one of the best players in Major League Soccer at the moment, he's a fully fledged Argentine international. Yeah. You know, um, plays his international football alongside Lionel Messi. <laughs> if that's any indication for you, right. um, you know, he's um, he, he's very good. He scored a belter of a goal against Houston Dynamo um, on uh, on opening day, and uh, I thought to myself, there'll be no worry. He'll get plenty of service. In fact, I, I was so confident with Christian Pavon, I even put him in my fantasy team. Wow. How'd that work out? <laughs> That's um, how confident I was. Is there a team at this point in the season that you're a little dis? Well, I mean, two games in, see, it's hard to say whether you're disappointed in a team. I think, are you? Is there a team for you so far through the first two weeks, and I guess it would have been three weeks, um, that's disappointed you a little bit? That you're surprised that you're disappointed by? Um. Hmm. I think, um, and I don't really know if I have any right to be disappointed in them or not. Right, it's two weeks in. Yeah, um, with, with all the hype and all the off-season build, mm -hmm. I, I thought Chicago Fire might have, and I know they've started on the roads, the, the two opening games, and they got a handy pointer at the Revs um, on, on week two. Um, it still feels as though they're they're incomplete. It still feels as though yeah. there's there's something more to be had there. And and I know there's there's conversations going around that they're still looking for for a couple of different bodies um, 
I know they're happy with the DPs that they've brought in. Jimenez is, is one of the most underrated signings that they've made. Um, and uh, Berich, the centre-forward, looks very good as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a bit early. I mean, the, the obvious one, I guess, to say would be into Miami, wouldn't yeah. it? But, but am I... Am I... Um, Am I incorrect in saying that? Because at the end of the day, they're still an expansion team, aren't they? You know, right. and I think just because of the, the whole off-season build and expectation, we all thought they were going to sign a big name, and 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 they have in in Pizarro, mm-hmm. but he's not the world-renowned name that everybody expected. Now, I yeah. think should things resume to to normality again, right. I, I think they may very well do something in the summer. There've been one or two little whispers for for several weeks now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, the summer is, is a notorious time for, for European names to come over to Major League Soccer because a lot of them are out of contracts then. So um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they went and got a few players um, from, from the big leagues in Europe uh, over the summer if, if everything um, uh, goes back to normal. But um, yeah, I, I guess that would be the one. I mean, the Galaxy you could put in the conversation as well. Yep. But um, as I said, I, I don't know if I'm if I have any right to say it, but but I think just because of, of everything I just said, maybe into Miami would be worthy of that title. I mean, we probably don't have the right to say it because it's two weeks in, but Score North is kind of Correct. the home of reckless speculation, so we just kind of do whatever, <laughs> we kind of say what we what we want. Um, So as we wind down the podcast here in the last couple minutes, I want to ask you, because I was watching a little bit of a couple replays and maybe a little bit of the A-League this weekend because I just wanted live sport because... We're on day, what, seven here now without live sport, and that's the most bizarre sentence I thought I'd ever say in my life. Um, so what soccer games have you been watching since everything went on hiatus? Like, like yourself, a lot of the A-League, mm-hmm. which um, which I was a fan of before, by the way, as well. Yep. I think it's a good league, getting a lot better. It was, uh, It's probably best described as, as what MLS was around about 10 or 15 years ago, I think. And mm-hmm. obviously they haven't had anywhere near the expansion that, that our league has um, over the last 10 years or so. Um, but it's a good level of football, and, and that's what I've been watching uh, in terms of live soccer, anyway. But um, you know, I, I've, um, I've watched a lot. I, I watched the program um, from a link that you sent me, by the way. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was the the top fifty goals in the Champions League, um, which which was which was slightly outdated, but it was still very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I've, I've taken the opportunity to to watch a couple of MLS games from the opening two weeks as well. Um, and, and a lot of um, a lot of World Cup games as well. A lot from the 2010 World Cup, a lot from the 2014 World Cup as well. Um, but the, the main thing, what what I've done over the the course of the last week or so, um, Johnny, is uh, apart from the arduous task around the the house, you know, putting up <laughs> shelves and painting and and stuff, and putting up pictures and, and all yeah. this kind of stuff. I saw um, your, uh, I think it was your Twitter post about uh, or your tweet about uh, something washing spoons. Oh, it was a disaster. The water went everywhere. It was just, as I, never as I said in the tweets, I remember saying it was absolute carnage because all I was doing, I thought, you know what? It's only a spoon. I won't put it in the dishwasher. I'll save it. I'll just wash yeah. it quickly. Water everywhere. I was soaked. It was ridiculous. Have you never washed a spoon um, before? No, I have, but it was just, I don't know if I got it at the wrong angle or something. And, like, my beard was dripping with water. It was How just high were you holding absolute it up? travesty. You hold it, was, it super it was, low uh, in the sink. Unreal. It, yeah, no, it, but it just it sort of it it shot back up at me, and and my um, I was wearing a nice shirt as well. I, I don't know why, and it just went all over me, and it was just just terrible. So um, anyway, that's that's quarantine life for you. But um, you need to start. No, I, I, you need to start commentating quarantine life. We need Callum Williams I, commentation in my in our lives. 
It's funny you say that because I've actually been asked about it, um, <laughs> and and we'll we'll see. What one of the the greats um, in, in our world, uh, Clive Tilsley, did it on um, on social media. So I think if he's done it, I don't think I should do it. You know, he he's the he is the the creme de la creme in terms of football commentary. So if he's done it, I don't think anybody else should do it now. But but um, not as I said, apart from from doing various bits and bobs around the apartment, because um, the missus and I had moved in to a new place uh, a couple of weeks before this whole thing happened. So we, we needed to do things anyway. Um, and um, apart from from those sort of things, I've actually taken time to, to sort of, um, I guess self-critique would be the right okay. the right way to, to describe it. Um, and um, I, I've sent out my, my stuff to a few people, a couple of very, very well-known world-renowned soccer commentators that your your listener will be familiar with i'm sure and and, and for the sake of their privacy I, I won't say who but um you don't want to name drop you know, on loon talk no i don't <laughs> <laughs> um they they've been very gracious with their time and mm-hmm. and it was interesting i was having a conversation with with one of them um yesterday and it was about certain um techniques in commentary and and um when to, when to go up a level in terms of your tone and mm-hmm. and how to to use your voice in certain um, areas of of the of the field and everything can um, just comparing notes and and comparing different um, goal calls and 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 uh, the handling of the situation when the ball is in the centre of the park whether that's mm-hmm. TV or radio you know just just having some really intelligent and insightful conversations with some some of the the, the best commentators around and it was really. Um, really insightful, and, and that's what I've sort of been doing the last couple of couple of days is, is having a chat with a lot of different people around around the world of football, and and just um, you know taking that opportunity really because I don't I didn't really have much of a chance to do it in the off season. Um, so if anything, um, I think if we are if we are going to try and view this in a positive light, I would suggest to people that you know view this as a an opportunity to to try and. and do things that you, you perhaps didn't have a chance to do. Um, maybe to, to try and perhaps better yourself in, in whatever it is you do. Um, you know, we all will have a little bit more time on our hands now than, yeah. than what we thought. So I think now is perhaps the uh, the best time, um, if ever there is a best time, to to, to try and, and, and reassess and, and reevaluate and, and have a look and um, see what you can improve on, not not only as a as a professional, but a, but a human being as well. You know, it's uh, it's an important time psychologically as well. You know, we'll all spend a lot of time in the house, um, whether it's alone or with our partners or mm-hmm. roommates, what have you. Um, you know, it's it it's going to be a, a testing time, no doubt. But but also let's view it on the positive, shall we? And and, and let's try and, and and make the best of the situation. Yeah. Um. One thing that uh, came out today: FIFA's World Cup at Home initiative. So FIFA's putting out World Cup games on their YouTube channel for everybody to watch across the world, which I thought was awesome. They're just putting awesome. up old World Cup games. I know one that you'll be fond of, 1986, England versus Argentina. That'll be up there. <laughs> <laughs> so if people if people don't know, which they probably don't because it's an audio podcast, <clears throat> Callum Williams and I are video conferencing right now. He was taking a drink when I said 1986, <clears throat> Argentina in England. He almost spit out his drink. <clears throat> I, I take it you're not spit very... out my glass of Sauvignon Blanc there, mate. <laughs> take it you're not a fan of that game. Um, it's hard to believe, but no, I'm not. No, I'm not at all. Uh, and and I would, you know, lock me in a room with uh, Diego Maradona, and uh, there might be a bit of trouble. You know, um... uh, I don't think it's because you'll be mad at the game. I think it's because Diego Maradona will bring trouble with him. 
yeah, naturally, <laughs> I, I'm saying from the other way around. He and his individuals, I'm sure, would give me a, a, yes. good, a good seeing too. But um, no, look, I mean, uh, obviously, it was. I think still, Johnny, that that still goes down as as the the one that got away is like the missed mm-hmm. opportunity for England because that was such a good team back then, um, and and to be well, let, let's call it as it is to, to be cheated. Yeah. Um, at that stage of, of the World Cup, um, it it was uh, look it was before my time, um, uh, but it, it's still very fresh in the memory of a lot of people in England. You know, it doesn't yeah. take long when you're in the pub in England for it to come up for sure. Um, and uh, the, the same can be said about the the sort of the the, the 2010 and 2014 roster that England had as well. You know, again, it feels like a very missed opportunity and and. Um, you know, England no doubt are undergoing a transitional phase right now, and 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 I think are sort of at the the end of it because they they've managed to uh, get some young lads who who have matured so quickly and and so eloquently and elegantly. Um, you know, they um, they're, they're probably the best team that England have had maybe since that 1986 team, um, the current crop anyway. But um, still, it, that, that 86 and and perhaps between 2010 and 2014 it, it is still a, a very um, frustrating time in, in English football history because we had the players. No mm-hmm. doubt we had the players. We just didn't have the results to match it. Right. Some of the other games that are, that are being put up by FIFA this weekend, 1990, Argentina-Brazil, Germany-Holland, Cameroon-England, uh, 94, Argentina-Romania, 1998, Argentina-England, a couple Argentina-England games in here, uh, 2002, Brazil-Germany, Uruguay-Senegal, 2006, France-Brazil, Germany-Argentina, I know one I watched this weekend on FIFA's channel was 2014 Germany Brazil seven one. I mean, I wanted ah. to watch that because just to see that happen, just not because of the amount of goals, but because of the reaction to by the fans in the stadium. Just to see, not because I wanted to see people in misery, just see how it like how quickly it all happened. Because it's I I think it's just interesting how people react to sport, and that's something we'll we have plenty of time now to discuss and and think about is how we all re- react to sport and how much we kind of uh, how much we kind of live and die. Some fans live and die by sport. And that was one of the biggest games that you could see that clearly people were just melting inside as, as Germany was putting in goal after goal after goal against Brazil in Brazil at the Brazilian world cup. Mm. Yeah, that was, um, I, I would, I would argue that was probably, one of the most shocking afternoons slash evenings of, of sport that, that that sport has ever seen. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, it was um, Brazil were the home team. Mm-hmm. Brazil's World Cup. They came um, out in the beginning I, I, of that beginning moments of that game, and they were actually bossing the game around. They were they control mm-hmm. possession. They were putting a lot of pressure on Germany, but then Germany got a goal, and then it kind of went downhill after that. They just collapsed, uh, and it was. Um, uh, a situation that I've I've never seen before. I've I've never seen a team of, of such influential footballers fall as quickly as they did. But but what was clear to us all then was that Germany were the new power. Germany were the yeah. new world power, weren't they? Obviously they they went on to um, to be very successful. And um, you know I I don't know if if they still hold that that title anymore in terms of world power, but. Um, they're certainly still in the conversation for one of the best teams in the world. So it, yeah. it tells you how good that Germany team was, um, you know, and, and still are, are churning out so much wonderful talent, you know, that the Germans are doing it so, so well. 
um, the academy systems in the Bundesliga are, are some of the best in the world. And, and and now, obviously, they're looking to America as well. You know, they've taken a lot of young American players over to the Bundesliga. Um, Christian Pulisic is the obvious one that, that's yep. now playing his trade at, at Chelsea, obviously, in the Premier League. But, but Weston McKinney going from Dallas and Tyler Miller going mm-hmm. uh, from the Red Bulls, um, you know, o- over to the Bundesliga. And there's going to be more as well. There's another young lad from Dallas who went over that, that skips my memory at the moment. But there's... There's, there's going to be more. There's going to be a lot more. And I tell you what, as well, I, I've said this before, John, and I have no problem saying this um, on, on the air. Um, I, I think at some stage, um, I think Hassani Dotson may very well fit that mould mm-hmm. because I, 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 and this is how highly I rate him. Um, he's 22, 23. He, he's just starting to, to mature now. And we saw last season what he could offer and, and, and how well he was thought of and how quickly he adapted to the the perils of Major League Soccer, yeah. if you will. Um, and he didn't look out of place at all. No. Um, you, you would have thought he would have been a five-year pro. Um, and I, I just wonder, going away to the Olympics, um, whenever that happens now, you know. If it happens. Um, he, yeah, if it happens. He... He was announced to the roster, mm-hmm. which will get him attention regardless if, yep. if the tournament goes ahead or not. Um, I just wonder if, if he starts to consistently play on the international stage and do well, it wouldn't surprise me if, if normality resumes, he gets a call up for the national team, the full national team at some stage, people will start talking. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm not necessarily going to say he's the next one who was, who's going to go over. Mm-hmm. But I think he's certainly amongst the names that, that the will make the jump at some stage. Yeah, he's creeping up the top of that list. I know you and I, after games, would have conversations about Hassani Dotson because he's just, when you look at him, he's just physically built to not suffer many injuries. I mean, he's, it sounds weird to say it, but he's just built really thick. He's just, there's a lot of muscle there. He's not going to, it doesn't seem like he's going to suffer a lot of inju- injuries. And he's got, the mentality there. He's got the smarts. He's got the soccer know-how to play well at any level that you put him at. Because he just looked comfortable when you when they put him in, and, they, and he looks comfortable at whatever position they put him in in midfield and defense. I mean, that's not something you get out of a lot of rookies, many rookies at all. And he was able to no. do that in his rookie season. You, you can't. You simply can't suppress a player like that. Yeah. Um, and as you quite rightly say, he, he looked very good in wherever they seemed to play him. And it's interesting now because we, we noticed in, in Portland, um, he was playing a, a, almost essentially behind the centre forward as well. When when Adrian Heath switched it to a 4-3-3 um, and it, maybe maybe there was another training session that we saw it as well. I can't remember. But So now essentially what you're saying is you've got a player who's comfortable at left back. He can play right back as well. Mm-hmm. He can play at the six. He can play at the eight. And he could possibly even play at a 10. I'm, I'm not suggesting he would be the main outlet as the 10, but yeah. a little deeper, almost a, a, an eight and a half, if you will. You know, um, He looks comfortable. He looks yeah. really comfortable. So imagine having somebody um, who, who is that versatile yeah. um, on your roster. He, he, he's a key component moving forwards, um, in, especially in the salary cap league as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, having someone like him is, is huge. Um and, and I know it's the reason why they why they didn't really make an aggressive attempt for a, for a backup left back because yeah. you know he, he can play there comfortably. We've seen him do it several times. So um, you know it's uh, it, it's a thrill to have somebody like that on the roster. Yeah. Um, but 
I would I would encourage fans to enjoy him whilst we have him because I, I rate this lad so highly, and I honestly think um, he 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 would be in this team if it weren't for the consistency of Ozzy Alonso and and the persistence of, of Jan Gregish. And um, I honestly think that um, Dodson will get more playing time this year, just just off the back anyway, because Ozzy Alonso won't won't play thirty four games. Right. Um, so Dodson will see more playing time regardless, but. Um, it would it would send some message if he was to knock somebody like like Ozzy Alonso out of the out of the team. It really would, and um, uh, he's he's a heck of a player. And and I think in due course that that central midfield spot that will become available at some stage. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's his for the taking. And I think going back to a conversation or a topic we had early on in the podcast is if there's anybody who's going to benefit from a condensed season like you and I talked about. If they have to play Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, you're obviously not going to want to have. Ozzy Alonso playing all those games at his his age and how many years he's been playing. So a natural benefit of that is going to be Hassani Dotson stepping into more games than he did last year. And he played a hand he played a bunch last year, but if you have to play a large amount of games in a short amount of time and you have to play Saturday, Wednesday, Hassani Dotson's going to be the guy to step into that role when you want to give Hassani Dot or when you want to give Ozzy Alonso or Jan Gregish a break. Yeah, correct. He's one of these players that that also gives you the opportunity to play a different system if you feel the need yeah. as well, you know. And and I already think, and I say this with all due respect to to those who play the same position uh, as him at Minnesota United, he's so far ahead. Yeah, he's so far ahead from from those that that play that position um, in terms of the the team, uh, the in terms of the players that are the same age group as him. Um, he's so far ahead. Um, he's very highly rated. Um, it'll be a key component moving forward for Minnesota for hopefully for many years. Um, but it, it would not surprise me at all if there are people over the course of the next year or so that are really taking a look at him and say, let's let's bring this lad over because he, he really has something special. It's amazing that guys like that can still, that at this point in time when we have all of the video resources we do, can still slip in the draft. Yeah. Isn't it just, yeah? Isn't it just? 31 he went. But yeah. Can you believe that? Wow. 31. And he's probably one of the better players from that draft. It's, I mean, that's, he's probably one of the better players Minnesota United drafted in that draft, and they got they got Chase Gasper in that one too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a team that did as well as Minnesota United did in that draft. Right. Um, you know, and, and look, well, whilst we're on that subject, as well, Chase Gasper. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what he, he only played fifteen MLS games last year. Just fifteen. I know he was part of the Open Cup roster as well, but yeah. he played just fifteen games. And the next thing, Greg Berhalter was on the phone to Adrian Heath saying, <laughs> "Just so you know, we're, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna take this guy to the January camp, and we want to have a look at him." You know, and, and that, that, that speaks so much volume. Um, and the, the the one now, which I will say. Uh, whilst we're on the subject of young Americans, the one which I'll obviously touch on now and, and encourage people to, to be patient is is Mason Toy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had a phenomenal run um, over the summer into into the fall when he got I think the number is something like eight goals in thirteen or fourteen games in all competitions. He yeah. was he was a menace and he caused a lot of problems and his confidence was sky high. Um, doesn't necessarily mean he did what what the coaching staff wanted him to, <laughs> right? Um, in terms of, of fitting the system, but um, he's somebody who I think he's got a very big season ahead of him. Um, there's there's two new centre forwards that have come in. Mm-hmm. That's competition for him, um, new competition, um, 
and after the season he had, after the little spell he had, I, I think, I, I'm quite rightly so, he would have thought, right, I'm higher up the pecking order now. I must be, because I've had such a good good time and, and I've had a good spell. Um, sometimes that's not how football works. Mm-hmm. And additions were made in, in Aaron Schoenfeld and, and Luis Amaria, who have quite clearly been identified as number one and number two in, in the pecking order. Yeah. Um, that, that, can, that can mess with you psychologically. Um, mm-hmm. And Mason being a young boy, um, I hope he reacts to it positively. He obviously missed out on the U23 roster as well for the Olympics. Um, and I hope what, what he does now, with all of the disappointments that have been laid upon him so far, I hope he uses it as fuel to energise him and to, to prove people wrong. One of the most um, admirable things I, I hear from Adrian Heath consistently is when he lets either when he lets players go, um, whether it was people like um, you know some of the draft picks that, that weren't signed mm-hmm. uh, this this off season, or when he says things um, to uh, young players when, when they're not in the team, Adrian Heath always says, "Go and prove me wrong, prove me wrong," yeah. and, and I think that's very admirable for a coach to say that because he doesn't have to say that. But also what he's doing in doing that is he's motivating his players. He's motivating the players that, that even play for him, you know. Mm-hmm. But but Mason at times, Mason Toy strikes me as as one of these individuals that perhaps at, from time to time needs an arm around the shoulder. And and that arm for, for the last two years has really been Ian Fuller, the assistant manager for Minnesota United, who's worked with him tirelessly on, on timing of the run and, and finishing um, and techniques in terms of heading the ball as well because... Um, you know, it's fair to say Mason Mason had plenty of raw ability. He still does, but he was very, very behind when he came into camp um, uh, two years ago. Um, and and it's a credit to him that he he's consistently stayed after training and worked on on uh, finishing and all of the above that I just said. Um, he wants to work. He wants to to learn. He wants to be a star. Um, and I, I think that's a, a credit to to the young lad that that he wants to do this. But um, you know, I, I just hope through all of this and the, the good start that Amaria has had and, and the necessity of bringing on Aaron Schoenfield for, for the reasons that, that Minnesota United did in the opening two games, I, I hope it motivates Mason Toy. Yeah. Um, because we all know there's a player in there. We, mm. we all have, have had a glimpse of it, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and I'm intrigued to see what the year holds for Mason Toy. Um but again, the, the, the good thing about this, Johnny, is that Minnesota have so much depth. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the deepest we've ever seen this team in Major League Soccer. I would argue it's probably the best team Adrian Heath has ever had in, in, in Major League Soccer as well because the Orlando City team was good, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. When you've got Kakar on the on the roster, it's not bad. <laughs> um, and Kyle Lowry as well, let's not forget. But um, I would argue this is probably the most complete roster that he's had. So... Um, it, it's now down to, to him and, and down to the coaching staff to make sure that this works. And, and obviously, as we're all aware, um, they're, they're trying to bring in one or two more as well. So um, we'll, we'll wait and see. But first and foremost, you know, let's um, let's get through this. Let's make sure everybody stays safe and healthy. Yep. Um, and then hopefully the players can return to training and we can resume normality and go from there. Well, I think that's a uh, that's a great spot to end today's podcast. Uh, Cal, thanks for coming on Loon Talk. Much appreciated. Thanks for phoning in or video conferencing in for uh, the fourth edition of Loon Talk. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Thank you, mate.
Thank you. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at CalWilliams.com. You can find me on Twitter at JohnHarrison90, J-O-N Harrison90. Thanks for listening to Loon Talk. If you like what you hear, then give us a rating, give us a comment, and share us as well. Also, go give the Crafty Rogues a listen, rating, and comment as well. You can find them anywhere you find your podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. And uh, just one more shout-out to something we're doing here at Score North, much like Sports Center is doing right now. We here at Score North want to hear from and honor high school seniors who had their careers cut short due to the coronavirus outbreak. Send us a video to at Score North using the hashtag Minnesota Senior Night on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, or Facebook. Tell us your name, what sport you play, what school you play for, and what you'll miss the most. Follow at Score North on social media as we share your stories. Again, follow Score North at SKOR North on any social media that is out there, and we will share your stories, Minnesota seniors. Thank you for listening to Loon Talk. Come back next week. We will have another episode as long as we can find guests here for Loon Talk throughout this break. However long it lasts, we will continue bringing you Minnesota United slash MLS-related content. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Daniel Roof, the Real GM Radio Podcast. And while the NBA season is still pretty new, there are some interesting storylines going on. And for me, one of them is, let's call it a shift in expectations, because there are a couple teams that we expected to be not necessarily pushing the accelerator in the early going in the season, maybe seeing Victor Wembanyama and Scoot Henderson, this purportedly strong 2023 draft class, and going, hey, we could be a part of that. And that would be the Utah Jazz and the San Antonio Spurs. Both teams are over 500 with some nice wins. And this isn't fluke. They're playing well so far, and so we will see how they build on this, how they react to it. Do they keep pushing, see if see how it can keep going, or do they change directions through trades and everything else? So that'll be something to watch in this year where the draft class is, is strong and these teams have incentives going in both directions. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue from the Real GM Radio Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, matchups, news, in-depth analysis, and live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. Can check in on your favorite games and events, including the baseball playoffs, start of the hockey season, MMA, boxing, and golf, plus sports podcasts. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts.